This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So the subject, the subject today is um, self-esteem. If you look at the words very carefully, um, the first word is self. How does a person get self? Without self, there's no esteem. Many times, we tell our children how great they are, how super they are, how beautiful they are, and it doesn't help. And, and the reason is that a person's perception um, is their reality in the, in the disease of anorexia. So the person's very, very, very skinny, and they keep not eating, and they keep exercising, and, they, and you, they're they're very, very skinny, and everyone's looking at them and saying, like, why would you stop eating? And because in their head, their perception, when they look in the mirror, they're looking at a person who's very, very heavy, even though they're very, very skinny. So we know that in the human being's brain, it's, it's your perception that drives your personality. So many times parents have questions. I, I tell my daughter she's great. I, I tell my daughter she's beautiful. And, and she's, she's self-destructing. And the answer is that until that person has self, right? Compliments from the outside, of course they're helpful, but until the person takes it inside and becomes part of their self, it doesn't help them. That's why it's called self-esteem. Pretty much every time I give a drush or whatever I speak about, I try to find proofs. I try to find stories of what I'm speaking about in the Torah. Every, everything that can happen to a human being in this world, every trauma, every tragedy, every simcha, is in the Torah. People don't realize that the Torah is really a book of tragedies. In the first parsha in the Torah, in Bereshis, very close to creation, a sin is done, a child is murdered by his brother, as we know, Hevel, was killed by Cain. In fact, within the three books of the Torah, there are five children that died while, the, while their parents were alive, and they died very young. Hevel died young. We know the two sons of Aaron, Nadav Avi, who died in his front of his eyes. And we know that the two sons of Yehuda, Erva Oinan, died in front of his eyes. Tragedy. Avram Avinu questioned God didn't come up with an answer until he was 75 years old there were no Kirov organizations at the time he found the Kodesh Baruch Hu on his own and the reward for finding Hashem the reward you would think which many of us think I did the right thing Hashem how come I'm suffering how come things are happening to me in my life I did what I'm supposed to do what better example than Avraham Avinu the whole world believed in Avodah Zarah. No one believed in Hashem. Along comes this Avraham Avinu. We all know the story in the Avodah Zarah house in the room, and he broke them all. And the reward for him finding Hashem and preaching to the world that there is one God was that his father took him and threw him into a Kifshan of Aish. For reasons for going off the derech, he wasn't on the derech long enough to go off the derech. Your father took him and threw him into a kifshan of Aish. He was called an Ivri. 
because the whole world was against him. He was on one side, they were on the other side. Kajbalko comes along. What's the reward? And I, I talk to kids about this all the time because one of the problems of our generation, I'm, I'm not blaming psychologists on this, but I'm blaming psychology, is that we don't own our own stuff. My mother, my father, my Rebbe, the world, my friends. We blame everything on everybody else. You, you can't grow like that. A person has to own their own stuff. And here's Avram Avinu. Just got thrown into a kitchen of age because he found this one God. Must have been thinking, until now when I served the Vaidazara, life was great. I was... My father was number one to the king, Nimrod. Life was great. Now I found Hashem. How does Hashem reward me? I get thrown into a kitchen of age. Okay. I can handle that. All right, I'm opening up a yeshiva. I am going to teach the world about God. Hashem shows up. Lech lecha Out! Yeshiva, everything. You got to leave. Your language, your family's house, your land, Everything. Up and out. Okay. Okay. What do you get for that? What's his reward? You would think. Hashem, I'm the only one in the world that believes in you. You're probably going to give me 13 kids so that we could spread out and talk about you in the world. 99 years he doesn't have a child. He doesn't have a Yitzchak. He has a Yishmael who's totally off the derech. That's his reward for finding God. A para Adam. Still a para Adam. His wife of 90 years old, Sari Imenu, Avram Avinu could do anything for anyone. He wore an amulet that was able to heal anyone. But his own wife could not have any children. There was no bunny Olam in those days or a time. What's going through his mind? <laughs> Look what happened to him for finding Hashem. No son, no child. Father tries to kill him. Has to leave his country. The rest of the world's on the other side. His own nephew, Lord, is in Sodom. Avram Avinu plugs on. Yitzhak Avinu on the Akedah. Yitzhak Avinu, blind. Talk about a boy off the derech. Esav, totally off the derech, never to come back. Yaakov Avinu, chased by his own brother, loses his wife, who he loves so much, by derech. His daughter Dina goes through crazy abuse by Shechem. His son Yosef gets kidnapped. You want trauma? You, you want to hear about trauma? The Torah doesn't stop. Moshe Rabbeinu, who we're going to talk about today, abandoned in the Nile, adopted by an Egyptian princess, brought up in the worst house in the world, in the house of Paro, which was the most immoral place, where the Chidah says all the Nitzaytes of Tumah were all in the house of Paro. That's where Moshe Rabbeinu was brought up. His own adopted father, the king, plays a game with him. We're forever... Moshe Rabbeinu's mouth, lips, and tongue are burnt. 
he's very mixed up. He comes out of Paro's palace. He doesn't know if he's an Ish Mitzri or an Ish Ivri. He wants to do the right thing. So he takes the side of the Jews. He's Meister Nefesh. He was to be the prince of Egypt. He was to take over the biggest, most powerful country in the world. He walks out and he says, Hashem, my nation is suffering. I will give everything up. I will give up being the next king of Mitzrayim for this nation. And he kills the Mitzri. What's his reward? The Jewish nation, talk about Lashon Hara, goes to Paro and tells Paro that he killed the Mitzri. Paro tries to kill him. He runs away. He's a fugitive, if you know the Medrash. He ends up in Ethiopia. He becomes the king. Bilam's son knocks him out of there. He comes to Midian, totally exiled from all the Jews. He's alone. All the Jews are in Mitzrayim. Moshe was by himself. Comes to a well. There's a bunch of girls in trouble. Doesn't open up an Ornava. But he himself saves the girls from the other shepherds. Now... The first time he saved somebody by the Mitzri and he killed the Mitzri, what did he get for it? Every good, no good deed goes unpunished. He gets punished. Now he's saving this young girl. She goes back to tell her father there's an Ish Mitzri. Yisrael, who was an advisor of Paro and ran away, knew that Paro was going to come looking for this, from this person who ran away. He's going to end up coming and killing Israel and all his kids. So he takes Moshe Rabbeinu, says the Medrash, and he puts him in a dungeon to die without food. Once again, Moshe Rabbeinu goes, no good deed goes unpunished. I saved this girl. What did, what did her father do? Instead of rewarding me, he decides to put me in, in underground in a dungeon to kill me. Zipporah feeds him for 11 years or 7 years exactly, I'm not sure, 13 years, and keeps him alive. He comes out and he says, I've had it! done with human beings every time you do something for them you get slapped upside your head where do you run? to the desert he becomes a roya he becomes a shepherd and he goes to the desert to be left alone away from human beings and the second he gets to the desert comes Hashem Hasneh and the snare is burning Moshe Rabbeinu turns to see what's going on it's a different shear how to become a Moshe Rabbeinu. He saw something that didn't make sense. He didn't just walk by and say, that's cool. He said, what's going on here? He stopped to look to see what's going on here. A leader, a, a, a rabbi, a rebbe, a, a parent, when something is amiss, when something looks like it's not going the way it's supposed to, you have to stop, you have to look, you have to ask what's going on here. We miss so many things in our own houses, in our own families, because we don't stop and we don't look. And that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu for the first time in his life. The first time he spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. He didn't speak to Moshe Rabbeinu in Mitzrayim. The first time he spoke, when he stopped and he looked to see what was going on, and it says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw, Kisho Lirais, Vayikra Eilav V'alokim Itachasna. And Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, turn around, go back to Mitzrayim. Take out Klai Yisrael. Talk about low self-esteem. Listen carefully to the Torah. Rebbe, Tati, Hashem. Who am I? Ki Paro? That I should go to Paro? Ki Oitzis B'nei Yisrael 
that I should take Klai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim? I'm going to come to the Jews, I'm going to say, Hashem wants to take you out. They're going to ask me, Mashimo, you had a dream, you're out in the desert, maybe you had heat stroke. Who's this Hashem that came to you? We're all in Mitzrayim, we're all suffering. You're out in Midian by yourself, and you come and tell us Hashem came to you. Who is this Hashem? He doesn't want to go. <clears throat> Listen to this dialogue between Moshe Rabbeinu and the best therapist in the world, which is Hashem. Hashem, they're never going to believe me. They won't listen to my voice. They're going to say I'm a liar. They're going to say Hashem never appeared to you. So for Moshe Rabbeinu, we see and many times, seven times in the Torah, he talks about his learning disability. He talks about his inability to speak. He talks about his disability, that he had a lisp, that he was, and he stuttered. And It's not the way of our generation to talk about a kid's disability. But the Torah talks about his disability, I think, 13 times. He can't talk, he can't talk, he can't talk. He, he stutters, hello, we don't talk about people's disabilities. But the Torah is teaching us that your disability brings you your greatest ability. Rosh was specifically made not to talk because had he been an orator, had he been a good speaker, Paro would have said that Hashem didn't take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. They had an amazing speaker, and he talked us out of it. So Moshe Rabbeinu could not be a good speaker. And I tell my teachers every single year, the kid in your class that stutters, the kid in your class that has ADD, the kid in your class that has a disability, you need to know something about him. The only mouth since the creation of the world till Mashiach that Hashem spoke mouth to mouth was a mouth with a disability. With a mouth that stuttered. The mouth that lisped. was an aroused Messiah and a Hashem said, the mouth that I want to talk to is not the orator. It's not Avram Yitzhak Yaakov and Aaron HaKohen. It's the boy that stutters. It's the stutterer. And I tell my teachers, you need to know, it's the kids that struggle that are very close to Hashem. I gave a share after Vosikin Thursday morning at the Kosa. And I was sitting there with a bunch of boys, 6.20 in the morning, and we're facing the Kosa Maravi, and I spoke about self-esteem. These boys are kids that were off the derech, they went to Eretz Yisrael, the Chassidish boys, they're trying to get it back together again. And I spoke about Rus, and I spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu, and I spoke about David HaMelech. And then I looked at the coast of Maravi. I said, boys, the wall itself is so ugly. It's broken. It's cracked. There are weeds growing out of it all over the place. 
there are pigeons and birds. And Baruch Hashem, while we were watching, there were two lizards that decided to crawl across the coastal. And I'm like, why don't we make this wall look pretty? Take all the weeds in your front yard. You want to let weeds grow out of your walls? Let's clean up the wall. Let's fill in the cracks. The floor of the Kaisel is beautiful slate rock. Everything fits perfectly. And the wall itself is nothing to look at. The Goyim would never allow their wall to look like this. Pigeons? Lizards? You're not allowed to touch the wall. I don't mean touch it with your hands. You're not allowed to cut off any of those plants. It's me'ila. You're not allowed to fill in any of those cracks. Because Hashem shows us that His love is for the one who's not perfect. The one that has weeds. The one that has cracks. The one that has lizards crawling across it. He didn't save the Koso Mizrahi. He saved the most unimportant wall in the whole base Hamidash. Kaddish Baruch Hu has a special place in his heart for the person who struggles. Therefore, his wall is exactly what it's supposed to look like. He doesn't want it fixed up. And I said to all those boys that were sitting there, guys, you may not look perfect. Some of them cut off their payas, some of them cut off their beards, some of them wearing jeans. See, the boys, I said, you may not look perfect, but to Hashem, you're the Kaisal Maravi. And we need to know that. We beat ourselves up because of our disabilities and we look at ourselves, we're not perfect. The Kosel is far from perfect. It's not a perfect wall. You would not have a wall like that in your house. No way. You would have guys come in there and clean it and smooth it and concrete it and probably would knock it down and put up a marble wall. Moshe Rabbeinu tells Hashem, I can't do it. Okay, so I'm like waiting. So Hashem's going to tell him, you can, you can do it. Right? He's going to be like, he's going to be a therapist. He's going to like fix it all. So here's the next person. But yeah, Moshe says, lay me only, they're not going to believe me. But yeah, email of Hashem, here's the big words. How are we going to teach our kids that are, that are going through hard times? We learn from the Pasuk. What does Hashem say? What do you have in your hand? A stick. Hashem, that's the answer the kid's telling you. No one's going to listen to me. I stutter. They're not going to believe me. They're going to say, I made up the whole story. It sounds like a kid in my class. What's your answer? What's in my hand? First of all, if you're God and you're telling me you're going to take out everyone out of Mitzrayim, if you don't know what's in my hand, we got a problem. I'm holding a stick and you're asking me what's in my hand? And Moshe's answer, Moshe Rabbeinu's answer sounds like the most chutzpahdik answer. I have a kid in my class and we're sitting in class and he's eating a bag of potato chips in the middle of class. And I'm like, Chaim, what is that in your hands? He better not say a bag of potato chips if I'm looking at it. What does it mean when I say what's in your hand? It means put it away. Don't be fresh and answer me. I'm looking at it. So Kosh God is saying, what is in your hand? And you're answering him, Mata? That's a chutzpah. The passage goes on. Hashem says, throw it on the floor. What's going on over here? 
And it's a very big lesson for all of us. Hashem said, what's your problem, Moshe Rabbeinu? They're not going to listen to you. They're going to say you made it up. They're going to ask you for the code word. You stutter. You lisp. You don't think you could do it. You ran away from a tribe. You're not one of them. They don't even know who you are. They haven't seen you in a long time. Moshe Rabbeinu, all those problems are not a problem. What is in your hand? A stick. What's the power of the stick? The stick has no power. The power of the stick is the hand that holds it. Move to the right, stick goes to the right. Move to the left, stick goes to the left. You're a baseball player, you're holding a bat. The stronger your hands, the better your swing, the further the ball goes. The bat alone has no power. Because says, what are you worried about? It's not you. This has nothing to do with you. Talk, don't talk. They're going to believe you, they're not going to believe you. You are me. You are a mate. You are a stick in my hand. A stick in my hand has the power to do anything. So Hashem said, and Rashi says, not maze biyadecha, not what is in your hand, mizeh biyadecha, from what's in your hand. Moshe Rabbeinu learned from what's in your hand. It has nothing to do with your disabilities. It has nothing to do that you're not in, that you're not in the triumph. This is about me. You are in my hands. You have crazy power. A stick in Hashem's hand? A person who gives himself up to God? A person who puts his sail up and says, Hashem, you are my wind? can do anything. There's no boundaries. There's zero boundaries. Hashem said, From what's in your hand, Hashem said, so I'm a stick. So then I have nothing to worry about. Hashem says, but throw the stick out of my hand. So what are you then? I'm a stick out of your hand. I'm on my own. So Hashem said, no. A stick out of my hand is a nachash. People think, I hear it all the time, Rabbi, just because I don't keep Shabbos, just because I'm not sneers, just because I don't put on tefillin, doesn't mean I'm not a good Jew. I go to Israel. I give charity. I'm a good person. Says the Torah, a stick out of God's hand is no longer a stick. Becomes a nachash. You're either in God's hand or you're in the devil's hand. There's no I'm not in anyone's hand. And that made Moshe Rabbeinu extremely scared. He was 20 feet tall. He was not scared of snakes. Trust me. Why was he scared here? By by He ran away. Because he said, if you want me to be the leader, Hashem, there will be a day in 2016 and before but there will be people, Jewish people, that are not in your hand. How could I be a leader of snakes? By Yonos, he said, this job is not for me. This job is not for me. If they're in your hand, great. If they're not in your hand, they're a stick, I can deal with. But they're going to be in the other one's hand, I can't take that responsibility. It's not over. Don't worry about the snake. Grab him by his tail. 
The tail of the snake is where the energy of the snake comes from to make him move. Grab him by his tail. You don't have to go head to head with the kids that are out of Hashem's hand. Just the opposite. Just grab him by the tail. By Yehilamat, they will come back to a stick. If you're a good leader, you can bring them back. And you would think at this point, thank you so much. It's amazing. My camels are on the front, on the left-hand side of you. So you would think at this point, if this was going on between me and my therapist, and my therapist was like, you're empowered! You're in God's hand! You can do anything! And at that point, I would be like, let's go! What can I do? Let's build the world. Let's build the yeshiva. Let's, let's do... Let's, let's, wow! Hashem, let's go! I'm yours! I'm empowered! I can change the world! No. It didn't work out that way. So he says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, five psukim later, it didn't work. The therapy session didn't work. Hashem says, if you're not gonna, they're not going to believe in you, I'm going to do this ice, I'm going to do that ice, I'm going to do that ice. I'm a Rebbe for 38 years. How many times I've heard this? And Moshe says to Hashem, be Adonai. Please, Rebbe. Please, Tati. Please, my master. I can't, I, I can't do it. I hear you. I'm a stick. I'm in your hand. I can do whatever I want. I hear, I hear it. I hear it. But I don't hear it. It's in my head, but it's not in my heart. He says, I, I can't talk. I can't talk. Rabbi, don't make me get up in front of the whole class and read the passage. I can't read well. Don't embarrass me. I can't talk. I couldn't talk before. And now that you're talking to me, I thought maybe you'd fix me. I still can't talk. As a Rebbe, this is such a sad pasuk. He's begging Hashem, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, I'm saying please. I'm saying please, Rebbe, do not make me do this. I cannot do this. And then he admits his disability to all of us. I can't talk. After that crazy session with Hashem, he comes back to his disability. And I talk about this to kids who are going through this and kids who are in addiction and they relapse and they relapse and they relapse. And I'm telling them, look what happened over here. He had the best therapist. I don't care where you went. I don't care how good the therapist thinks they are. And after the whole schmooze, his low self-esteem because his whole life since he was a kid, when he burnt his mouth, he could not talk. It's still there. After the whole schmooze, he goes back to Hashem. He says, great, I hear you. Can't do it. And Hashem says to them, Who gave a human being the ability to talk, to see, to hear? Is it not me? Go. I'm not going to fix you. You're still going to stutter. You're still going to lisp. I'm not going to fix you. Even though I'm God and I can take Christ all out of Mitzrayim. But I'm going to be in your disability. I'm going to give you the ability to overcome it. I want to tell you a little story about myself. You know, before I walked in here, I said, Hashem, I have a lot of stuff prepared because David Melech went through the same thing. 
maybe we'll talk about it if we get a chance in, in the next speech. And <laughs> this yantiv of Shavuos that's coming up is the symbolism of coming from such a faraway place, coming from an impossible place. Rus Hamovia. She came from the worst country. The Jews, they were, they were the Nazis. We hated them. Because of them, 24,000 Jews were murdered. They were the most immoral nation in the world. They had coffee tie. We asked them for food. After we saved their life, Avram saved Lot's life by the war of the kings. We asked them for something to eat and something to drink, and they said no. They're the worst Midos. They were the most immoral girls in the world. And from there comes Eim HaMalchus. From so far away. Not from a Beis Yaakov girl. Not from a Rebetzin. From a princess of the lowest nation in the world. This is Shavuos. This is Kabbalah Satoira. On a mountain that according to the Medrash was a sand dune. It was nothing. A little teeny mountain. Hashem loves the underdog. I don't want a big mountain. I don't want a wall of marble with gold on it. I don't want a dome of the rock. What a broken wall with a bunch of weeds and a bunch of pigeons and a bunch of broken Jews sticking papers into that wall. That's what I want, says Hashem. Those are my people. Aim HaMalchus comes from a Moavia. If we get a chance, we'll learn a little bit Megillah's Rus today, where she comes from. And how Boaz recognized who she was. And where David Amelech comes from. If you know the story of David Amelech. David Melech Yisrael, Chai We don't say it about any other king in the world. David is the Melech of Yisrael. Not Shlomo Amelech. Not Chizkiyahu. David Melech Yisrael. Forever. Why? Do you know the story of David Amelech? When Rus became pregnant, Kalei Yisrael gave her a bracha, and they said, your house should be like the house of Rachel Belea. Careful when you give a bracha what comes out of your mouth. Yishai was married. Yishai, the Gemara says, was a tzaddik, shaloi chet, if it wasn't for eating from the eight tzaddas, he would have never died. He was the perfect tzaddik. He was a gadol hadar. But Yishai came from Rus. And Klai Yisrael still argued that you couldn't marry a Moaviyah. And it was still going back and forth. And Chazal, the Bezdin of, of, of Klai Yisrael, came to Yishai and said, it's very possible that all your children are illegitimate. That one day we're going to reverse and say that a Moaviyah was not allowed to marry. And all your children are going to be illegitimate. Why don't you have a legitimate child? And he said, how could I have a legitimate child? And they said, separate from your wife, marry your Shifcha, then free your shifcha, and the child that will come from there will be kosher. So Yishai went, and he told his wife, I have to do this, and he separated from his wife. And the night that he was supposed to marry his shifcha and be with his shifcha, was brought down, that his wife could not believe that her husband Yishai, who was a tzaddik, perfect tzaddik, would have to be married to a shifcha. So she went to the shifcha, and she paid her, and they made a switch. Klai Yisrael gave a bracha, your house should be like Rachel Valeya, the Kachaya. It's a medrash. It happened. What happened by Rachel Valeya happened by them. A bracha comes true. And she became pregnant, Ishai's wife. 
but it was impossible. She was separated as far as everyone knew. So she became pregnant, must have been that she went outside the marriage while she was separated and became pregnant, which makes the child a mamzer. So they hid her away that nobody should see she was having a mamzer. What does Hashem do? All the children are tall, handsome, dark, dark here, dark, sparty. This child is born redhead with freckles and blue eyes. For sure cannot be the same father. Seven siblings that were all dark. And this kid is an Admaini. For sure he's a Mamzer. So his father Yishai takes him and puts him in the desert in Beis Lechem. And they call him the Mamzer of Beis Lechem. And the Medrash says that anytime something was stolen in Beis Lechem, they blamed the Mamzer that was in the desert. And it says that David HaMelech would pay for the goods that were stolen even though he didn't do it. That's who David HaMelech was considered when Shmuel HaNavi came to choose the Melech of Yisrael. He came to Yishai and said, one of your sons, I had a Nevius, that one of your sons is the, is the Melech of Yisrael. Could you line them up? And he lined up his seven sons. And the Navi looked at the seven sons and said, you must have another one. And Yishai said, I don't know what you're talking about because he didn't want Shmuel to know about the mamzer that was in Beis Lechem. And Shmuel said, no, you're hiding something. There is another one. He said, well, we're not sure about the legitimacy of this child, but okay. And they brought, they brought him out of Beis Lechem. Look at the Medrash, very clear. And Shmuel and Abi pointed to this little redhead, this little Admaini, and said, that's the one. He's not a mamzer. Your wife made a switch. Dover Melech Yisrael Chavikayim. That's where Dover Melech came from. That was his beginning, not the best guy in yeshiva, by a long shot. And what happens later on to this little boy? And we're talking about self-esteem. What happens to this little boy who his whole life was called a mamzer and a ganif? Goliath shows up. A giant. A very big lesson. I'm going off a little bit because I am ADD, if anyone knows that, but I'm definitely ADD. That's why I have notes in front of me all over the place, just in case I forget my first question. Who was Gullius? I just talked this, I just told this to my girls in seminary. You think when you go and drop off, it's not going to make a difference. I should look, I'm looking at one little thing I shouldn't look at. <clears throat> What's the big deal? One little drink. <clears throat> What's the big deal? One little puff. Man, one little thing. Little stuff doesn't really matter. On the night that Naomi left, when, when Arpa and Rus says Vdafka, but they held on. They held on to their mother in law. That altogether is pretty interesting. That <laughs> they both held on to their mother in law like that. It's a whole. I mean, that's for sure, Mashiach. Mashiach comes from Rus because, hello, she didn't let go of her mother. She said, wherever you go, I go. When you die, I'll die. You're, you're, I mean, hello, that's Mashiach. You've got to be the mother of Mashiach. If that, that's just a mother-in-law joke, just to lighten it up a little bit. But, but seriously, what happened? Arpa and Rus held on, and they didn't let go. And then the Ami said again, what am I going to do? I'm going to get pregnant. I'm going to have more children. Who are you going to marry? Go. But Rus Dafkaba, Rus held on, Arpa cried, gave her mother in law a kiss, and left. One stayed, 
one left. Both of them said, we want to stay the first time. One stayed the second time, and the other one left. you know what the Medrash said happened that night? Rush goes to be David Amela's great-grandma. Aim HaMalchus. Mashiach comes from Rus. She held on the extra second. What happened to Arpa? You'll have to excuse me, ladies. A hundred men that night and a dog. That's what it says. How do we know? When David HaMelech came to Goliath with a stick, Goliath said, look in the passage, you think I came from the dog? You think I'm a dog? You're making fun of me? So you came to me with a stick? The world knew the story. One held on for an extra second, she becomes the great-grandmother of Mashiach. The other one let go. A dog. The difference between the two was one held on for an extra second and one let go. What a lesson. Kabbalah Satira. What a crazy lesson. But look where Rus came from. She came from nowhere. She came from Lot. And we don't need to know the story of Moab and Lot. She came from nowhere. She became the Imam Alchus. David HaMelech came from nowhere. Moshe Rabbeinu came from the palace of Mitzrayim and could not talk. Yosef HaTzadik was a slave and saved the world. Over and over and over, the Torah tells us, the underdog becomes the superstar. Esther HaMalka had no parents. Her father died three months pregnancy. Her mother died at childbirth. In, in her in in Chafalif, in, in Ayelat HaShachar, she says, Kosh you caught me from my mother's womb because there was no one there. She was an orphan. She had no parents. She saved Chal Yisrael. She came from nowhere. All of them. Everybody in the Torah. David HaMelech learned from Moshe Rabbeinu. You want to talk about self-esteem? So Shaul, he meets Shaul, and Shaul says, there's this giant, and he's making fun of God, and he's making fun of the Jews, and everybody's scared of him. And David Amel says, I killed a lion and a bear, but not only did I do that, I took the sheep out of the mouth of the lion alive. Why are you all scared of this giant? Now, if you learn anything about the giant... He was so big, he carried mail that he was dressed in and a sword and a shield that weighed more than any human being that we know in this world could ever carry, that any tractor could carry. He was a monster. He was unstoppable. Gullius was born on the night that Arpa left. He was conceived on the night that Arpa left her mother-in-law. And Arpa's reward for staying the first time and not letting go of the army was... And Hashem gave her a giant as a son that would be the greatest warrior that ever lived. And nobody in the world could kill him except the one that hung on the second time. The only one that could kill Goliath was David because his mother didn't let go the second time. And this is what he says. 
going to destroy all of Klai Yisrael. And nobody was able to go up against him. And Yishai sends David to see his brothers. Listen to David when he talks to, the, when he talks to Goliath. And he says the, the following. They were talking, Klai Yisrael was talking about, did you see this giant? Did you see how tall he is? Do you see how strong he is? Don't worry about him. I will go to fight him. And Shaul says, You? You can't. You're a little boy. And he says the following. I'm a stick. Hashem who saved me, he's going to save me now. It's all about Hashem. I am not scared of this person. You think I'm a dog? Did you come at me with sticks? He says, come, I'll fight you. I'll throw you to the birds. And I tell this to all the kids. You're coming at me with a sword and a spear and a shield. What am I coming at you with? I'm a stick. I'm in Hashem's hand. I have nothing. I don't have no weapons. I'm coming in the name of Hashem. Hashem will put me in your hands. All he talks about, all these psukim, is why are we scared? We're not fighting the giant. We are in the hands of Hashem. If you're in the hands of Hashem, you have the craziest power. People say, like, how can I start this, Rabbi Wallstein? How do you do this? You don't do nothing. How do you open an Ornava? How do you help other Jews? How do you make a Panasa? How do you get a Shidduch? What do I need to do? Girls ask me, what do I need to get a Shidduch? I'm like, you're not getting a Shidduch. There's no you. There's no you. The Ramad said, there's no you. There is no Jewish you that could beat Goliath. There's no Moshe Rabbeinu you that could take Christ out of Mitzrayim. There is no you. You're a stick in God's hand. If you understand that, if you know that, you can hit a home run every single time. So the Ramach looked at Shaul, he said, what's wrong with all of you? What are you scared of? That you're not as big as him? That you're not as strong as him? Neither am I. And he told it to Goliath, you're not fighting me. You're fighting God. God is bigger than anything. In the end of the day, self-esteem, self-esteem is understanding that you're mevatled in Hashem's hand. You could do anything. If you're connected to God, if you were sticking His hand, you could have a shidduch. You could have children. You could be healed. You could do anything. The problem is that we think it's us. So Hashem says, if it's you, you do it. And then we fail. Sometimes we succeed, but most of the times we fail. This is what Shavuos is all about. Not the size of the mountain. It's not what the wall looks like. It's not if you're beautiful, if you're not beautiful. It's not if you're smart, if you're not smart. Shalom Melech says, the raya of a God. People come to you and say, what's prove me God? 
Shomelech has the weirdest proof of God. He says, the proof of God is that stupid people become rich and smart people become poor sometimes. Because if there was no God, the intelligent people would eat up the not smart people. His right to God is people who have no brains end up being billionaires. Look at Trump. Nothing personal. <laughs> and brilliant people are sitting making minimum wage. That's his proof. What is he saying? That's your proof of God? You think if I went into a place, kids were asking me a question like, I don't believe in God proven. Well, rich people sometimes are not so smart. They'd be like, oh, that's great. The answer is, the Mamela is saying, you don't make the money. Reichman, Paul Reichman said something amazing. They asked him, why are you so successful? He said, 95% mazel, 5% brains, and if I could, I would change the 5% for mazel. It's all from Hashem. And we need to explain that to our children. We need to explain to our children, it's not the, it's not the best guy. You are the best guy that you, that you have all the stuff that you need for this trip in this world. And we have to stop focusing on being perfect, and we have to stop focusing on what marks they're getting because honestly the system is extremely unfair. I'm a Rebbe. I'm a teacher. I have 25 boys in my class. Every single one of those boys has a different IQ. One is a 135, one's a 95, one's a 100. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.